I almost got stuck in an apartment complex today. Like there were. I was going to ask how the truck was for you today. I was driving very slow. <laughs> very slow. Fuck. Visibility was easily like one block, if that. And um, with all the drifts like coming into the like starting to like seep into the road, like you'd be driving over them and just. Poof, Anybody in front of you would just like kick up a big snow cloud and it's just like, oh, can't see. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then I felt really bad because, you know, I'm a truck. I'm doing that already. So the people behind me must have been like, fuck, what the hell? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstad. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode 126 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We're your hosts, I'm Matt. Up over there is Danny. What's up? And up above me, we have Big G. Hey guys. And then over to my right, we have returning guest, Amu. Hey everyone, it's me, Ryu, from Streets. I think the joke went over my head. Hopefully it did. What, you've never, you've never seen Ryu from Streets? No. So, around uh, the tail end of Street Fighter 4 being the primary Street Fighter game that Capcom was promoting, uh, for some reason, they had like uh, one of those like 3D model voice generated things, uh, and they licensed out uh, the model for Ryu because we have never learned anything from the Madden Gifferator, and it was just a, a video that just had a uh, Ryu's model saying, and I will quote the entire video verbatim. Okay, which goes, "Hey everyone, it's me Ryu from Streets. My favorite things include jumping into late fierce." Stale bread. Water without any ice. The latest season of The Simpsons. And dirt. See you all in Street Fighter V. This was an actual thing that was happening, created by Capcom? No, someone just made it because, again, we have learned nothing from the Madden Gifferator. Fair enough. Fans do wonky shit. Never trust anyone with a template to insert something into on the internet. Oh, yeah. They will abuse it. Oh yeah, there's been several cases of that. You can you can Google it very easily. But we got Which some. I argue there is a punchline. The punchline is this is not supposed to actually be a cross-examining of a man. But if it's Ryu, you got to cross-examine the man. Like the and dirt is my favorite part. With all the articulation and inflection. And dirt. Because that just goes to show you, oh, this isn't supposed to actually be a serious cross-section of a person. Anyway, enough about my bad jokes. We're so glad that you all decided to join us. And if you made it through that little intro there, you are true badasses. <laughs> Thank you so much. So we got some business to take care of before we jump into the episode. So let's start off by thanking again all of you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. It would not be happening if you guys did not uh, actively listen. We'd just be speaking sweet nothingnesses out into the ethernet. And actually knowing that there's eardrums that are catching our sound waves, 
pretty dope in the grand scheme of things. Pretty dope for us here. So thank you. And also, a huge thank you to our amazing patrons who think that our content is completely worth supporting. You all are crazy motherfuckers, and so I want to give a big shout out to each and every one of you. We got a big thank you to Wade97, Chapman, D. Moose, Amu, thank you, bud, Colin, Noah, <laughs> Slade, Third String Chapman, Nikki, No Modifier, Steve, Jacob, and Christian. Each and every one of you, thank you so very much. It is greatly appreciated. And if you guys want to be crazy patrons too, uh, go check out our Patreon. We have two tiers, a $3 tier and a $10 tier, which gets you put into monthly drawings for booster packs and cards alike. We are we haven't come up with a list for next month's cards yet. And uh, we're going to be giving away Kamigawa set boosters again because those are really cool because Kamigawa is a pretty dope set. I like it. But if you don't feel like supporting us through Patreon, you can also buy our playmats. You can hit us up on any know, social media and be like, yo, I want to buy a playmat. They're 20 bucks. They have our banner and stuff, and they look really cool. Uh, I think they look really cool. And if you think they look really cool, ask around. We'll send them anywhere. Literally, we'll send them anywhere. We sent one to Germany, to Christian, and that is pretty fucking cool, in my opinion. <laughs> But if you don't want to directly hit us up for the playmats, you can also check out our amazing sponsor, J-Dubs, who also is selling our playmats. They sell them also for $20. So, speaking of J-Dubs, let's hear an ad from them now. J-Dubs Sports Cards and Gaming, located in West Acres Mall in Fargo, is your one-stop shop for all your Magic the Gathering needs. In the store, you will find a huge selection of sleeves, playmats, and dice for you to personalize your battlefield with. Along with having a large variety of singles in their display cases, there are also binders and boxes for you to browse through. That much selection means that you will always find something you are looking for. J-Dubs is also the place to gather to play a wide array of formats with friends in the community. There is Commander League on Thursday nights, Modern League on Saturday afternoons, and Legacy Leagues on Sunday afternoons. And who can forget Friday Night Magic every Friday evening. J-Dubs has it all, Amonkhet to Zendikar and ways to sleeve, shuffle, and spell sling. Now let's get back to the episode. And thank you, J-Dubs Sports Cars and Gaming, for supporting us. I am excited for what they got going on. It's going to be good. All right, and the final bit of bit, and the final bit of business that we have is the breakdown. How this episode is going to get laid out for y'all. We got a pretty juicy week, I think, in news. And, uh, but before we get there, we're going to have some event results and some salt reports and upcoming events and some blog togs. And then we're going to get into the news where we talk about a secret layer drop. And if we're going to be honest, I'm a little sad about this secret layer drop because I didn't have the thing that I thought that was going to be in there. And then after the secret layer, there is, we're just going to touch on the Kamigawa official soundtrack. And then when we got some of the beefier, the meatier topics here of, Watsy splitting off from Hasbro, and a Magic NFT. <laughs> After that, we're going to jump to the Conjure Currency section where we talk about Magic card prices and trends. And then from there, move to a ThoughtCast and then end the podcast. And I think this week's ThoughtCast. Danny, is that what uh, the, the synopsis down here at the bottom is? You're, you're going to be taking the ThoughtCast with this? I wasn't. That was just me literally <sighs> reading the story and taking quick notes of what happened so essentially what if you want if you want to i that was just for discord to go on that chat that we're having but if you want to go over it i guess we can yes danny 
I want you to read me sweet nothingnesses of magic stories. That that was <laughs> that is literally nothing right there. And if we'll, you want me to, I guess I can. Perfect. So stick around for that. Danny's going to read to us. Not really. That's so choppy. It's not even worth reading. It's totally worth reading. We oh. got we got the, the the Danny ASMR coming up here. Wade is going <laughs> to flip for this. Definitely not happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But one thing that is definitely happen, happening is we have some event results and starting with some salt reports here. And okay. My only salt report is from freaking Thursday night. <laughs> yes. Just trying to play some wholesome magic here. Playing some coma. I'm going to have all the copies of coma and all the serpents. And I'm just trying to chug along a little bit. You know, maybe get some lands out. Maybe draw a card or two. Get a coil out. And wouldn't you know it, someone decides to make it so ETB effects don't work <laughs> at instant speed on a freaking coily cobra whatever shit. Coiling Oracle. Yeah. Sorry, I'm so still pissed <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> no reason at all. Like, he could have waited to the end of your turn. To, to, to flash it he could have. so a uh, friend of ours uh, honestly at that point it would have it would have been fine because i would have gone okay i've got enough stuff out now i'm, I'm good but no freaking on the worst thing to do it on and it makes zero sense and his only response is i love that card but uh <laughs> i've never stopped the etb <laughs> So the card that our, our friend flashed in in response was a Hushwing Griff, which uh, is a three-mana 2-3 two, three that stops all ETBs as long as it's in play. With Flash, it has Flash too. It's so good. Well, he had a line of anticipation out, so it didn't matter no matter what. So, yep, it was kind of crap, but it was a fun game overall. Yeah. Poor, we had Fucking poor you, Garrett. You had coma like taking care of four times that game i started it off by reality shifting it like on turn six when you cast it <laughs> it's like ha yeah make it indestructible now <laughs> and and then that was like the only thing i did but then uh noah just slapped coma as well and then <laughs> our other well, even reality too. wait which part because he copied the spell and i got two manifest creatures that Ended up just fucking me over in a way I didn't think they would. Yeah, <laughs> I do love Reality Shift. Love it a lot. I know my favorite part uh, of that night was when uh, Noah was going to cast an epic experiment for seven mana. And then uh, Big G comes in with a Narset's Reversal to copy it. Return. Uh, okay, so uh, Noah was playing Calmax, so copy spells and stuff. Cast an epic experiment for seven, has another copy. Big G cast Narcissus Reversal, bouncing the copy back to Noah's hand, and then Big G gets the copy, and then the original copy still in the stack, I go and mana drain it. So Noah did not epic experiment at all. And what makes it even funnier is uh, Big G, Big G, what did you get off your epic experiment? <laughs> Fucking rampant growth, and that's it. That was it. Everything else was lands. Oh, 
It was a great well, Matt, you got anything else for our from our Thursday night game? Uh, that's what I got there. But I was going to ask yeah. Amu, you played? Uh, did you play the pre-releases last weekend? Yes, I did. In fact, I have all of my, well, yes, all of my pre-release cards here and the box I got. Do you have a salt report from this weekend then, or from the pre-release? From the pre-release, uh, about how it went was uh, I opened in my sealed pool. I opened three Demir cards. My pre-release promo was uh, Satoru Mizawa. Solid. And uh, for one of my rares was Katose, the... Uh, I forget what her epithet is. Is it the one that uh, exiles Something cards spider. From... Yeah, the one that exiles yeah. cards from the graveyard. Uh, when you nin- the, when it the ninja that does not have ninjutsu. Yeah. And then I also got a silver for a master, and I was like, well, guess I'm Demir Ninjas. And Even it, though, realistically, what the deck ended up being was more uh, Vision of the Unspeakable Turbo, but, you know, sometimes you just need a 5-5 Flying Trample to get you across. That card is a house. I like it a lot. Because it's like, scry 2, draw 2, or draw 4, depending on how many cards you got in your hand. Yeah, no. Would you believe that the only round I lost was against somebody playing four color stuff I got in rares? <laughs> There's always going to be someone like that. That's like me. Danny fucking slapping with his rares. Might as well. Can I fit this bomb in this deck? Ah, that means I got to splash black and I'm already banned. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, could be worse. I did like for one of my rares, I got an invoke justice, which definitely wasn't on plan. Ooh, very nice, but very heavy mana cost. Yes, very, very heavy weight. But yes, and also the story I actually wanted to share uh, from last week on Wednesday, I went to Commander Knight Ultima where I played my Light Paws deck for the first time, and boy, that deck just punches people's heads off without warning. So do you got Light Paws built as like the the Voltroni goodness that people were talking about leading up into up to uh Kamigawa release. Oh, absolutely. Fucking awesome. And like the real trick that I pulled in that game was convincing all of my opponents that they shouldn't interact with light paws. <laughs> oh. oh, I mean, I guess fair enough to your opponents. It's a new card and they're like, ah, new card probably not as bad as we think it might be i mean so. granted they see they see the 1818 life 1818 double strike uh and every time i hit you my life title total doubles <sighs> but like i think exactly one spell was cast directly onto light pause it was path to exile which i then had blacksmith skill to give her indestructible and hexproof i love that card that card is a house one mana indestructible yeah no ever <laughs> Everyone like pulled over to it was like, I'm sorry, what card did you play? I was like, Yeah, it's great for Voltron strategies. One mana, counter your shit. Especially since like it shores up the weakness that the deck that I have current I have with the deck currently, because like I can give her protection from all colors except white, because if you give like pause protection from white, all the enchantments pop off. Yeah, that is that is very true and very sad. With exactly one exception, and that's in Benevolent Blessing, but that is exactly one exception. But yes, it was very fun uh, also playing a uh, deck where uh, people will listen to my opinions. Tell me, do you got that? Because uh... I'm... Oh, go ahead. 
because like uh i am actually uh in the middle of typing a primer of uh how you too can uh also talk your opponents into uh ignoring your commander i will totally read that because if i could get danny to stop targeting my commanders <laughs> i would be happy that's that will never happen man <laughs> <laughs> Because it depends you know, on. It depends on also if you have someone who's actually also threatening at the table. No, it's always Matt. Doesn't matter who's at the table. Like, yeah, sure, I have an eighteen, eighteen double strike life life. I'm dragon. Eighteen double strike life link with vigilance, but they have a threatened temporal gateway. That could be anything. It could be. Could be. And that is more scary than an eighteen, eighteen double striker. <laughs> oh my gosh! Tell me, tell me, do you have the Angel of Destiny in there? The fucking card that you've cl- cleaned my clock with multiple times. Uh, no. Light pause is more than sufficient. <sighs> okay, that makes me happy. Because, God, if that Angel of Destiny just... <laughs> uh, so many times. I'm you. God damn it. All right. So, Big G, you have some NRG results for us here, right? I do. So, this is the NRG 10K trial. This was a modern event in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I'm not going to see exactly. Well, there were 138 players because there's 138 decks listed right now. And just the top two decks, actually just the top four decks will go over the title and their color schemes. We've got Hardened Scales Luris, so white-green. Is it Tempo, so blue-red? And then Teamer Rhinos, so... Obviously, teamer colors, blue, red, green. And then last but not least, for fourth place was Grixis Death Shadow with Luris. So Grixis colors, green, or not green, blue, black, and red. And there were 22 Hammer Time decks, so this was 12% of the meta. 20 Death Shadows decks, was, which was about 11% of the meta. And then there were... 15 link decks, so about 8% of the meta, and 7% with 13 decks, the Merktide Regent decks. And then jumping down into the top played cards, so these are cards overall. Ragavan was number one with 273 copies in 38% of the decks. Lightning Bolt with 257, and that was 44% of the decks. Expressive Iteration, 204 copies, 28% of the decks, and Mishra's Bobble had 192 copies at 27%. And then Top Creatures, if you would be surprised by this, I'm shocked, but Ragavan was number one. Again, those same stats of 273 with 38% of the decks. Dragon's Rage Channeler had 176 copies. 24% 24% of the decks. Fury had 125 copies with 24%, and Solitude had 118 copies and 17% of the decks. So overall, it looks like kind of just doing a quick scan of all the decks on the results page, which we'll have the link in our show notes for you. But it looks like there is, you know, obviously some popular decks coming out, but we had some... Uh, Jun decks, Crashing Footfalls decks. We had a couple of Annulant Titans. Oh, Matt, you're going to be happy. There were at least two Infect decks. I am happy with that. I am very uh, happy. But there's plenty, plenty more with that one. So 
if you happen to be one of our listeners and got to go to the trial, shoot us a message and tell us what your experience were. It was it looks like it was pretty fun. So now that is all we have for event results. We did some pre-release. We did some commander play with this week in MTG this last week uh, with some of the fans and friends and everything. And now for upcoming events, we've got the February Arena Open, and this will be Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Limited. So it's opening up big prizes glow on the horizons up to $2,500 plus invitation to the March 26th through the 27th qualifier weekend. And the two-day event will host best of one sealed and best of three events on day one and traditional draft events on day two for those who earn the invitation from the day one events. So a few things before you get all excited about jumping into this arena open. You do need to be 18 years or older to play. You need to be in a region with eligibility requirements applying, um, voiding where it's prohibited, so making sure you're doing what you need to be doing within those regions. Um, Receiving monetary awards requires having or creating a Wizards DCI or iPayout account and those iPayout accounts cannot be created in advance. And then make sure that you're following the terms and conditions of um, Arena and all that jazz. So let's see. Set, bet, the best of one matches, seven wins, earns you an invitation to the token for day two. And then the best of three matches, you just need four wins to get an invitation to day two competition. You may enter as many of the day one events as you would like, but winning multiple day two invitation tokens only counts as one entry for day two. So those of you who are really good and awesome at playing arena, you know what? You can only get one token so that way everyone else can come and play too. But everyone who enters will receive a Phyrexian Jin Kataxian Progress Tyrant card style with that Phyrexian text on for the new copy of the card. And for the events, they start at 6 a.m. Pacific time, and sign-up ends at 3. Sign-up end ends on February 27th at 3 a.m. Pacific time. You have three hours to complete your current run, but you won't be able to join after the deadline. And the match's progress will be followed to finish. And then the event will end on February 27th at 6 a.m. Pacific time. And then this is the sealed event, best of one, and the traditional sealed best of three for Kamgawa Neon Dynasty. Your entry fee is either 25K in gold or 5K in gems for both best of one and best of three. And so best of one, you can do seven ones or three losses, and that'll end your tournament play there. Best of three is four wins or one loss. And then the payouts go based off of your record, so make sure to pay attention. We'll link the article for you in our show notes, so that way you can look into them. But then if you are lucky enough to get into day two, you'll be doing a traditional Kamigawa Neon Dynasty draft, and that one starts, the entry window is on the 27th from 6 a.m., uh, Pacific time on February 27th, and you must join within this two-hour window, and then it'll end at, the sign-up end ends at 8 a.m., 
And then the event end is no new matches after 6 p.m. Pacific time on February 27th. So best of three matches until eight wins or two losses. And again, those in those winnings, you'll see them up there on on the uh, website link. So there we go. Anybody participating in that? I might think about it because I do mostly historic and limited on arena. So and I just updated for all the Neon Dynasty stuff. Dope. Well, if you do, you got to let us know how that turns out for you. Well, do. Okay, now that news is over, go to the blog talks. And for those who play blue or black, uh, might not like this one. Um, so this one comes from Cactus Bonanza. They ask, I don't understand why discard, probably the most maligned um, supported mechanic, is continually buffed every set. Maybe it is for the black blue. I don't know. I will determine that later. Uh, before a player gets a turn, a single mana will to jump to player's mulligan. They took to keep a curve, reveal a deck's colors and game plan, dis- disrupt the opponent's ability to interact due to playing around known issues, uh, get rid of a deck's key piece to winning, and achieve card or achieve card advantage. Discard far more than counter spells is such bad gameplay slash feeling. That most people quit on turn one when a duress, thoughtsies, etc. is played. I do. I do, personally. Um, my opponents do. Yesterday, you said you guys are careful to not make discard so powerful. You create discard decks, then you can, ex- then you can explain Tigrid, Tiny Bones, Waste Knot, um, Gutmorn, Fellfetcher, and then Sangromancer. If anything, you guys are pushing discard and thereby pushing the most unfun players will walk environment possible. So Mark uh, replies with a few things. One, discard is not the most aligned, but yes, there is a segment of the audience that dislikes it. There's also a segment of the audience that very much enjoys it and thinks it adds a lot to the game. Um, Yeah, that's for those who actually play the cards who hate people and don't want people to play a game. Um, <laughs> two, by discard decks, I meant decks that do nothing but make your opponent discard and then use a win condition that takes advantage of the opponents having no cards in hand. Things like the Rack, which is a gross deck. We do want decks, well, black ones at least, to have access to discard as a tool, but in moderation. Those individual cards can be powerful, though. End of response. What do you guys think of that? I 100% agree with the guy's statement. Oh, no. I'm a discard player. I love Thoughtseize. I love Inquisition of Cosmic. Well, you're a blue player. I shouldn't have asked you. <laughs> I think they're all very solid. And I'm a blue player, too, here every now and then. Why are you asking our opinion if you don't like blue? That was kind of a rhetorical question. He was hoping that <laughs> we'd be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, discard spells, not cool. But... Because I'm just trying to figure out. Like, yeah, I get it. You're you're, contr- you're you're obviously you're trying to win. It's a game, but for for those that literally your win con is to make sure your opponent has no cards in hand and just piss them off. Basically, what your win con is with with this card. I think. I don't know. I I kind of agree with Mark on this one, where it's not like. 
it's not the most detrimental part of the game for black. Yes, it does get new things, but some of those things rotate out. So, I mean, yeah, there are discard decks, but on turn one, you really can't discard too much in the standard format. Yeah, Modern and Legacy and Pioneer and Commander, yeah, you can do a hell of a lot more, but the other side of the board can do a lot more in those formats, too. True. But, I guess, even even in a Modern, let's say, me, bl- me being the mono-red burn player, the cards I have in my hand, I need. But well, the- even as a green player, the cards in my hand, I need too, but... Green too, but I mean, like, if, if you're playing... A, I guess the worst case scenario is a blue black uh, counter spell discard hand deck. Your SOL turn one. So it's just, I don't know. I agree with it, but I understand it's a different gameplay, but it's still garbage. Well, and honestly, though, I don't run in, in our meta, I don't run into too many players that are, I'm going to fuck you over with discard left and right. I mean, like when I think it was a couple years back, I was just, I threw together a random bullshit version of a gun deck before I started making it more competitive. And my opponent ended up, I think, milling down to five at the start of the game. And he didn't know what I was playing yet, obviously. So I, you know, I started the game, I made him discard a card. And he played out one of his goblins. I killed it with a lightning bolt. And then I think I killed another one with assassin's trophy or something like that and he mind you he had to mill down to five in the first place but then me taking card out of his hand getting him down to four and then killing two of the cards that were in his hand didn't help so yeah i don't see discard i don't see discard that much as a 100 percent viable as i'm looking right at a discard deck but that's that's why i said like a discard counter spell or counter deck. Yeah. It's but I mean Hey, I'm gonna play this card that I actually have in my hand. Nope, it's countered. Oh, I'm gonna play my draw card. I'll make you discard three. It's like awesome. Thanks. But Well, and you're gonna run into that anyway, but I know for you being a mono red player, it's a little bit more hardening on you than it would be on like a Jun player, an elf player, where I have different ways to get things get around not having cards in my hand. So the discard, the discard spells that are men- mentioned, being duress and thoughtsies, and then like going more to like Inquisition of Kozilek, those are all one for one cards, and stuff. Yeah. So it's like I pay my mana to get rid of your thing. So it's like my card for your card, and it's always about like mana efficiency when it comes to that. It's like I'm paying one mana to get rid of your three mana thing, or where an opponent can use a three mana thing to like get rid of two one mana things. Like if it's a, a three three body that can block like two one ones or something like that. You know, it's like getting the value there it's just like discard is a good solid value for a player to have access to that wants to go in that and i mean i don't know i am a big fan of like looking at your opponent's hand and being able to like really get to know what kind of deck they're playing and that way you can like strategize for it and i know this has nothing to do with discard but i'm definitely a getaxian probe sympathizer love to have some get pro back just because it's like i get to see your hand and draw a card yes the information is amazing but yeah discard one for one a lot of the time like it's not often you're seeing uh 
you know a two for one uh, effect like wrench mind gets seen playing played in the in the rack style deck Kroxa is a multiple it, it, over time it's a it's a two for one but uh initially Kroxa is one for one Culligan's command uh one for one if you choose the discard mode on that eh, two for one because you get another effect as well so i mean like that's like the closest thing that you're going to commonly see as a two for one value wise of like discard do something uh-huh. and then that's if you look it. Then if you look at like the discard payoffs, like as you mentioned here, you know, Tiergrid, Tiny Bones, Waste Knot, and all that, it's like they cost five mana. Uh, Tiny Bones is what, three, two? But it's like a lot of money, or a lot of money, it's a lot of mana to activate. Waste Knot is two as well, but you got to like actively make them discard a lot to make it worth because it's like, cool. My Thoughtseize can't discard your land, and I get two black mana off of that. It's like, I got to make you discard a creature or something else, and it's like, I draw a card or I make a zombie, and things like that. I don't know. I'm perfectly fine with discard. <laughs> the one-for-one aspect, a lot of the times, makes it nice. But, I mean, when you get to the multiple, the, the mass discard and stuff like Monomania, uh, but that's more EDH because that's like, what, seven mana, five black black sorcerer speed, make it a target opponent discard their hand. See, I do that, but you get the draw seven. But, yeah, that's enough for Blogatogs. I'm not going to do the next one because me being me, can't say words. It's very uh, grammar-orientated Blogatog. Yeah. About the only thing I'd throw in on it is, like, very serious competitive players enjoy discard. Like, uh, I know people in retro formats of Yu-Gi-Oh!, enjoy having uh confiscation which says pay 1000 life points look at your opponent's hand and discard one of their cards which like is one for one and in that same fashion and like realistically like when you get down to the competitive side of it the real competitive side of it is making your opponent unable to play the game yeah yeah but if we're going to be looking at the competitive aspect of it like that's what you know like that's how you're going to win is like if your opponent can't do things clearly you are having uh, a more advantageous position like oh my opponent can't be casting spells but my deck is here to exploit the fact that they're not casting spells and if you're using something like the rack then like i feel that rack is a very good example of this of where it's like hey you can't play you can't play the spells that you want to play because you have no cards in hand but i'm still doing the thing i want to do because i dropped this artifact that just makes you take a lot of damage every upkeep or the enchantments uh whatever the enchantment is shrieking affliction yeah, but I'm sure, like, an aggro deck probably just beats over that type of thing, right? No. Depending on the pulls. Not, Depends on the aggro, aggro deck, I suppose. One thing that aggro has against uh, rack-style decks is, like, their inability to refuel their hands after the fact. Like, aggro uh, burn, <laughs> in Danny's case, and stuff like that. It's like, they are also a one-for-one, one, but they're exchanging their cards for life points damage, which can only get so far. It's like you always need spells to do these this one-for-one one kind of thing, whereas a, a discard-style deck, you know, they don't need the one-for-one one to, like, have turn after turn after turn. It's like they can wait, and yeah. as long as they drop the one thing of the rack in this case, it's like they're, they're making progress without having to cast more spells. And, yeah. like, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I can see why, like, the casual... Uh, the casual mindset is also like you know not terribly okay with the discard is because card games most trading card games card battling games are inevitably about your your dudes clashing with your opponent's dudes and with discarding you skip an entire step of that this is very you know? true 
Like, yeah, I guess. I don't and like, like to, you know, and like, you know, to John Timmy, who's down here to play his blue eyes, white dragon deck, suddenly to have it ripped from his hand feels bad. And there's no way around that. And that's the reason I don't play blue decks is because that's all I ever, that's all I ever faced when I first started because blue was massive in paradox scene at that time. So me being, me being a Boros player that actually was like Rose Rakdos, but as Rakdos aggro. So playing blue just kind of wrecked the game for me. So I, I that's one of the reasons why I never played blue, the stereotypical blue. That's why I also say fuck blue all the time. Cause because of that. And because of Matt. That's Sorry. <laughs> yeah, better be. But moving on to the news. Ooh, ooh, before the news, let's put a quick music break in here. for some da news da news we're into news now so thank you for sticking the music break and uh big g you got us for this oh hell yeah i do all right so if you guys didn't see you know first off back in august wizards was showing off some artwork and crossovers for upcoming secret layers oh wouldn't you know it we got one of those announced on friday that being street fighter secret layer I don't know about you guys, but I am super fucking stoked for this one. Uh, so this is done in the Universes Beyond series. Quick reminder about the Universes Beyond. It is a series that combines gameplay of magic with worlds, characters, and stories that are cherished by millions of fans all around the world. And previous examples of those are Stranger Things, which just came out in the fall of 2021 and Walking Dead Secret Layers that came out last year, but back to Street Fighter. So this is the newest iteration of the Secret Drop by Wizards of the Coast. Those Secret Layer cards are going to be available for purchase. All of these cards are mechanically unique to the format and will have a theme for the characters shown in the cards. Now, I'm actually going to jump over to... The article so we can actually read some of these cards off for you so we've got hodo hoda Su- sumo champion and then his and then we've got ryu the world warrior ken the burning brawler blanca the furious friend chun li countless kicks and uh dal sim the poly poly pacifist Guile, the Sonic Soldier, and Rangief, the Red Cyclone. And as far as hold on, hold on, if hold on. you want... Rangief. Oh, okay. What did what, you call the last one? Rangief. Is he really called Rangief? I thought it was Zangief. Yeah, sorry. Zangief. <laughs> My bad. Rangief, <laughs> I thought you were putting... Zangief. I thought you, there was like some sort of accent how did over you the pronounce? Z. How did you pronounce Dulcim correctly? <laughs> yeah, you... 
Um, you don't even question it these days. <laughs> like, legitimately zero idea. So, before we go any further, even can... though I'm a teacher, I sometimes pronounce words incorrectly, and yet get them right at the same time. But can we comment on the fact and... that Blanca is a ferocious friend? Like, who wants to get well, cuddled okay. by Blanca? No, within within the story, when he comes back and does the first thing, he befriends. Um, Oh, fuck, what is his name? He's the worst character. Uh, where's Dan? the pinky? Dan, there we go. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And he, he's good friends with him. And he is a friend. He's he's basically the definition of a teddy bear. You know, he'll be all nice and soft and cuddly, but he's still a bear, so don't fuck with him. Yeah, the, the, the image here is of him just, like, straight up electrocuting some poor motherfucker. Oh, and... That no, that's Dan. Dan. Yeah, that's Dan. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm in on this, Danny. Okay, and then you... yeah, uh, it did get released to what the bonus card is, which oh. is Hadouken, but it's lightning bolt, which is pretty cool. So we get a new lightning bolt, um, but you can get the non foil of this for thirty nine ninety nine or the traditional foil. For forty nine ninety nine, and then the next set we have is the Little Walkers, which is Chibia art of five plane walkers done by Yuda Natsuma Natsume. And let's get what those walkers are. So we've got Tamio, the B- Moon Sage, a Johnny mentor of heroes, and Garth, the Flame Chained. And we've got oh, fuck. Dream Render. Yep, there we go. Ashiok, thank you. Okay. And then Soren, the Grim Nemesis. And so these are all pretty cool. I I like the little plane walkers. I think I'm getting this one for sure. Even though I don't use most of them anymore. So so this would, but, this would be this would be a picture art frame. Yep. So are. borderless art. Because you're so cute. Yeah. Yep. So, so is this uh, Tamiya the Moon Sage art that made me bring up that question in the Discord about when t- uh, in the story how we'll, we'll come back to this here in a little bit of but like Tamiya helping lock Emmercool in the moon and stuff and like now the Frexians could have that information and do with it as they will. But uh, that that that'll come at a later point here. All right, and then pricing on this one. Non-foil, $29.99, and traditional foil, $39.99. All right. And actually, Matt, because this is the closest thing I think you'll get to your art style and you want, you want this one? Yeah. And it's all blue cards. Almost all blue cards. Almost all blue cards. There's, uh, it's blue, black, and stuff. So up next in the super drop is the introducing Kaito Suzuki with five cards that highlight his ninja prowess and badassery, all done by artist uh, Ro- Royubi. I apologize for slaughtering the uh, These cards are Brain Freeze. Uh, all, all these cards have, like, depict uh, Kaito, like, doing different things. And it has his uh, awesome companion, the Tanuki, uh, the Kamiya, the Spark, chilling next to him. I can't remember what, uh, I can't remember its name. But it has a name, but it's a Kamiya, the Spark. But anyways, pretty much in every scene, the little Tanuki's there, and it's so adorable. So, first up, Brain Freeze 
the awesome storm mill card. Then we got bribery commander powerhouse card. Uh, I've been I've been smoked by that a time or two. Uh, snap, unmask, and shadow of a doubt. So these uh, the pricing for this one is also twenty nine ninety nine for the non foil and thirty nine ninety nine for traditional foil. Right. Well, the next one we've got up, we've got the special guest, Uko Shimizio. Shimizu. Thank you. (laughs) All right, so this one has different art styles for... Oh, God darn it. All right. Huruku or Huruki Dust Drinker. Kira Great Glass Spinner. And then... Idolion, the Great Revel, and Elvish Spirit Guide. And this is all done in the art stylings of Uko. And traditional non-foil or traditional foil and non-foil. Pricing for this one is $29.99 and $39.99. Alright. And the next one, because we didn't get enough of it in trying if anyone tried to hunt down these neon ink cards so we've got a showcase for in the neon dynasty styling with that yellow neon ink arc for one of the cards is ghostly prison freed from the rail from the real and then oh bogia who shelters all and then hall of the bandit lord so we've got two enchantments and two lands coming for you and this because it's only in the one styling only has one price and that is 49.99 yeah and this is to celebrate the release of kamigawa neon dynasty with the bonus release with the striking neon ink foils of which premiered in neon dynasty but only the yellow all right only the yellow only the correct yeah unless non-foil neon ink foils Imagine if there's actually, like, if you ordered this, if you ordered this, and they actually did have different color neon, like what they do for Hidetsugu, where it's um, the green, the blue, and the red else. Uh, that would be bonkers, and I feel people would probably feel gypped out. So, I mean, of, of course, they're just going to stick with yellow, but how bonkers would it be if they tried to do different color for the neon? <laughs> Making it some more rare or not. Here's my, here's my hot advanced take. The bonus card will potentially have that different coloring. Oh, oh my god, that would be a great idea because, like, what they did with the Phyrexian Praetors and the the Viscera Seer and stuff. This would be a good one to have, like, whatever their bonus card is going to be different. Oh, that's genius, Big G. Good call. Good call. You yeah. heard, heard it here but first. I don't think it'll be, it'll be kind of like the Viscera Seer where it's like only 100 to get made. Exactly. Oh, heard it here first. I can't wait to 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 prove you to prove you right there, Big G. I hope so. That'd be fun. All right. The next one we have is what we one of the more controversial types of secret layer drops that we've always talked about. It is shapes not included, and this is kind of more of the I'd say Tron, like yeah. Tron art styling of we've got a plains, we've got an island, we've got a swamp, we've got a mountain, and we've got a forest. Then you get one of each, and the pricing for these is twenty nine ninety nine for the non foil and thirty nine ninety nine for the foil. Can we honestly yep. be upset at this? We have we have bought people have bought these lands before, 
one of each for 30 bucks in the non-foil. And, you know, yeah. Wizards Hasbro's sees this and it's like, oh, they're selling. Let's keep doing it. Let's sell five basic and that, and, that, and we've talked about this plenty of times for even just the three main ones of us. And I'm sure Amu is the same way. He might have art stylings that he likes. We all have our different styles that we like. For me, paying this much for one copy of each land isn't worth it to me. Yeah, I was looking at but, it. I mean, it is cool, uh, and Christian pointed it out, and I was going to bring it up. This artist does a lot of proxies for cards, too, so he's getting to do official cards, and he's getting recognized for his art styling, which is awesome. But my thing, honestly, if you're going to do these basic lands, you should have more than one copy coming in these, so that's my only hesitation to it. I see those who are buying these lands aren't actually using them for play. Um, oh, I can see someone. I can see someone just getting it and framing it just because it is cool art. And you definitely do hear a lot of people, you know, framing their cards and stuff, like especially with the secret layers and things. But well, the, yeah, yeah. the thing is, secret layers—they're limited run collecting cards. Like, yeah, there's some sweet ones you can throw into an EDH deck that are actual spells or enchantments. But for the lands, I think it's just best to. I like the secret layer. Buy it pay for a professional frame and put them in there and never use them. You know what I think would be a good idea when it comes to the basic land secret layers? Like instead of having a drop of five of one of each basic land, have five drops, one with five of each individual lands, like five islands and stuff. So that way it feels like you're not like, ah, I want to make a Demir commander deck or Demir uh, modern deck and stuff. And I need five of each. You know, you're going to be more incentivized. I don't know. So what you're saying is yeah. do what they're doing for the horoscope? Yeah, exactly. I was just about to bring that up. Uh, the horoscope one, I feel like that's that's a little better because you're getting more of the one land that you're most likely going to want. Like, True. And I'd agree with something like that, so I don't know. Alright. Getting off of our soapboxes, let's move to the next one. This next one is titled Pictures of the Floating World. And these are five, the five hideaway lands that we had from before, but done in that wonderful style that we got out of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And it also even does have the foreign text to it as well. But just in case you are like me and you cannot read the foreign text and you are not fluent in it, you will get one Win Brisk Heights, one Shell Dock Izzle, or Isle, and then one Old Tooth Hollow. Yep. Thanks, Amu. I, I heard you laughing over there. <laughs> one Spire Rock Knoll and one Moss Ward Bridge. And again, pricing for this is $29.99 and traditional foil is $39.99. Can you I say don't want the Moss Ward for Rift. They do look really cool. The Sheldock Isle of it being a turtle. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, but next we've got Kamigawa, the manga, the cards. So on this one, we have get, get five cards. One of them is Idyllic Tutor, Swords of Plowshare, Solve the Equation, Praetor's Grasp, and Veil of Summer, all done in a manga-style manga artwork. And pricing for this one is $29.99 for the non-foil and $39.99 for that traditional foil. And if... 
you sat and listened to us and went, you know what? I want all of these. I want every oh. single one of these. Don't worry. They've got you covered because this was a super drop. So you've got the nonstop, non-foil bundle where you can get one copy of each of these except for those neon ink foils because those only come in foil so you can only get them in a foil bundle but if you're wanting one of each of the non-foils you can get that for 188 dollars and 99 cents but if you're wanting all the foils in the world you can get those neon ones and get it in with the other seven for 278 dollars and 99 cents but you know what you're sitting there going you know what I need one copy of each. They've got the bundle bundle, which you get a foil bundle and a non-foil bundle. And it looks like with that, you would only get one copy of the neon ink. But that would be going for $428.99. And later in this article, they do talk about how some of these art stylings will be getting the Ultra Pro play mat treatment and they do show ryu as one of them for sure but they are also going to be doing some ar pins so that way you can get some blackout style pins for your collections too they've got some hero and villain shirts that'll cover some of those and that one this secret layer you can get up until March 18th for your pre-order. So it's open now and it's open until March 18th. So if you're feeling lucky, go on and get them. And you know what? I've talked enough. Somebody else can take a turn. <laughs> Finally. Well, I know. You, you took a little bit of the news talk. in the next se segment there. So if you think that that is all the news with the Secret Layer Super Drop, dear listeners, you're, Hello, Matt. You, continue. you are mistaken again. <laughs> Just to cover some of the related product releases that are coming with the Super Drop is the Ultra Pro, like uh, Big G was saying, is they're going to have 10 limited edition playmats with art of four of the Street Fighter secret layers and six of the Little Walkers. Now, six, you say to your phone as if we can hear you, but, well, we can. Thanks to our buddy Harold, you know, over at the NSA. But all joking aside, the sixth playmat is going to be a special ensemble version with all five of the Little walkers planeswalkers together using the new patented hollow foil stitched edging technique i haven't seen any uh pictures and stuff of this but uh the the hollow foil from ultra pro here but it'd be interesting to see uh they are available for purchase on the ultra pro website right now while supplies last also some lgs's will be getting them later in the year uh next pinfinity the company that makes the AR-enhanced pins is also releasing a secret layer bundle with three limited edition blackout-style pins, a collector box, an AR-enhanced art card, plus the Heroes and Villains, the premium licensed apparel and accessory stores, is doing a release of Street Fighter t-shirts. Again, all of these are limited supplies, so check the links below to get yours. Well, I just put a link in our Twitch for Ultra Pros. If you actually go to the website, they actually have the... Playmats Arts. Ooh. Up on their, um, I guess, store. But yeah, so each each of the Planeswalkers has their own mat. And then there's a mat with all five on there. Then we have 
oh. four different Street Fighter maps or mats. Um, looks like you have Rue and Ken, Zengif and Balsim. Then you have Blanca and I guess Yara's friend. And last you have Chun Li and um, Rule the Sonic Soldier. Interesting choice to put two arts on one playmat. Well, it's like it's the preview to the fight. Right, right. But but yeah, they look pretty sweet. So I click, um, did you click the link on the uh, the ensemble of Planeswalkers there to see the, the hollow foil patent pending uh, playmat? I did not. Yeah, if you click on it and you look at it, it looks like a playmat that has been etched foiled. <laughs> It, uh, you, you can see like foil texture on it I don't know how it feels I don't know how it is but uh, there are no uh, applicates or finishes so the hollow foil will not dull or rub off over time I had a mat that did that it was the sliver queen that I mat that I had like the, the colors of it um, that purple color of hers Kind of made it look like it was foil. It says that the fabric oh, is oh. the fabric top is shiny, but it remains soft to protect cards during gameplay. Interesting. So up next, we are going to talk about the Kamigawa soundtrack. If you've been listening to us for the last few weeks, uh, you have must have figured that we would bring up this topic. Kamigawa official soundtrack has or was released fully this previous Friday. The soundtrack is packed with some awesome artists like Jonathan Young who produced half the album, Genuine, who produced five of the 15 tracks, Zach Zinger, who was the co-producer and arranger for five, uh, Matthew Heffy, who was on six tracks, Trey Watson, or Oreo, is it Oreo? It's Oreo, yeah. It's Oreo, okay. Um, Amy Waters, to, um, to, Tomoko um, Akabashi, and Caleb Heise, contributed their talents to this uh, so go check out um on your streaming service of your choice or by clicking the link in the show notes below have you guys listened to the soundtrack yet no but i'm surprised it didn't have planeswalkers yes. on it <sighs> yeah right watsy get up planeswalkers they right? they are perfect for for making an album for you <laughs> they're Yo. magic well metal. so so on my spotify i do i get the release radar and one of the songs popped up on my release radar surprisingly and so i went to the rest of the album while i was listening to work on sunday while i was getting the restaurant prepped and ready to go for the day fucking album kicks some ass let me tell you i enjoyed a lot dude it's so good it's so good all the tracks wonderful i have jammed that thing i don't know like easily 10 12 times since it came out on friday nerd kidding so what's next are we letting Big G take this over, or? I'll say, is this one me still, Matt? Uh, yeah, yeah. If you he just want to kind of go off of the the Business Wire article as much as you want and throw it together, right. we'll just kind of like bounce off this one because I did not have it fully ready. Because it's all good. All this stuff is like deep shit to try look to more into this too. So, uh, but now. If everyone's ready for some This Week in Business, I know I am. Because, you know, as Matt pointed out and points out, I am a shareholder in Hasbro. Last Thursday, the 17th, 
Alta Fox Capital Management, an alternative assessment management firm that holds 2.5% of Hasbro shares, issued a letter to Hasbro shareholders stating that Hasbro has had, quote, years of disappointing results, poor governance, and questionable disclosure practices under the brand blueprint strategy, end quote. So basically, um, there's a, there is an article that Matt will make sure is in our show notes that kind of goes over this. They released a hundred page outline of, uh, recommendations and everything. And then they even do, um, list to an article or a website titled, uh, freethewizards.com basically saying, so this Alta Fox company is really saying that Hasbro needs to let Watsy go off and do its own thing. And they break it into a few different points where um, this brand blueprint that Hasbro has, according to these guys, is basically making it so that way the company, like Hasbro especially, is not performing the way it should be with assets like Wizards of the Coast who own Dungeons and Dragons and magic the gathering which we all know and so it's saying that it could be doing a lot better with a resource like that and then they've actually nominated five new people for the hasbro board of directors and they say these are highly qualified people and they are people that could help the company gain capital even more than they already are and we've talked about it left and right. I know back in about, what, was 2020, stocks for Hasbro were down like 40, 50 bucks. Now they've started going up and they're hovering around 95 right now. But it's really interesting to see some of the people that they have on here, including um, they have uh, John Finkel as one of these nominees for the board who plays Magic the Gathering and is pretty well known within the world of Magic the Gathering. And then a lot of these other people are more business savvy type people who know the ins and outs of making a business work well. But yeah, no, it's it'll be interesting to kind of see. And they, unfortunately, the article is 100 pages. So trying to go through it and pick out all the fine-tuned details and everything. But some of their ideas is that they want to pursue a tax-free spinoff for Wizards so that Wizards can kind of go do their own thing and maybe start assuming their own identity, but lead the capital so that way they can, or lead capital allocation improvements at Wizards and customer products and the entertainment segments that they have, improve the Wizards' long-term revenue growths and margin profiles, and ultimately resulting in a hundred plus percent upside over the next three years. So long and short of it, these guys are like, Hey, we have a pretty big stake in Hasbro, or at least compared to some of the other people like schmucks with microphones, but we want, we want to see Hasbro do pretty good, but we, you know, and maybe some of these people at Alta Fox are magic nerds and they're like, no, we got to see our company the card game we love continue to go on for years and years and years and celebrate a 50th anniversary. So we want to make sure that it can do this. So if you're interested in diving more into it, I know when we're all done recording and everything, I probably actually will look at the full presentation myself 
but they break it down pretty well from even just the brief three-minute intro video that they have. They give a good sum up of what they're trying to do and why they're trying to do it. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, there's your This Week in Business Finance. So there we go. So uh, to put a little bit of context of what Elta Fox owns as a shareholder is they have about 1.1 million shares, which I think equals out to around $300 million invested into Hasbro. And like that kind of that kind of money is enough to like, you know, like, hey, we have a significant say in what goes on here. And this isn't just like straight up. Uh, straight up Elta Fox. Elta Fox has like two subsidiary subsidiaries um, that also have shares that that have the cumulative 1.1 million uh, shares and stuff. But I don't know. Uh, th- this is this is personal feelings now, I guess, or personal opinions. Uh, no longer part of the article. But cynical Matt here is sitting and thinking that this is a capital gains risk assessment company that is looking at this and just like wanting to flip over uh, shareholder prices because they were talking about in this article it's like Hasbro is a company that's been dancing around $100 and they feel that if Watsi spins off from this like what they want to do with free the wizards is that the share the share prices of Wizards of the Coast can go up to $200 they believe that that is the case especially because it's a very beloved franchise that has enfranchised people for the past several decades, and they're really pushing on to digital online uh, stuff with Arena. And because of all of this, they believe that Wizards of the Coast individually could be a $200 uh, per share company, which doubling the price now makes like Alta Fox, if they do switch over and go and start to buy even the same amount of shares that they have 1.1 million shares, they're going to have now have like $600 million uh, in the company and stuff. But I am, I am cynical. And when it comes to a company that's like risk, risk assessment and coming in trying to be like, Hey, we're going to make more money for the company. And what we're saying may sound good, but it's going to be done in a way that might not be good. And uh, I don't know. But at the same time, I do understand uh, wizards, uh, Watsi, and Hasbro have definitely done uh, a lackluster job putting it very nicely of communicating with a lot of their stuff that goes on. Uh, specifically, I feel one of the biggest uh, biggest things uh, when it comes to the the when it comes to Hasbro and Watsi uh, communicating the allocations for what is going where. People are like, why are we still getting? curled foils when you're showing that you're making all this money why is arena showing all these goofy bugs when you're making all this money it's because you know we can't forget that even though wizards is a subsidiary of hasbro they still got to like share the money and stuff with the rest of hasbro so you got nerf transformers my little ponies peppa the pig and shit like that like the money still got to get distributed everywhere and one thing that was actually brought up in this article they were talking about hasbro's acquisition of e1 entertainment uh two years ago we talked about it on the podcast e1 entertainment is a big uh entertainment conglomerate that has uh movie studios uh, uh recording studios and stuff like that like they have a label and hasbro picking that up uh, they feel that that was a big starting the 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 starting point 
of the bad that happened at Watsi because they felt that they paid a higher premium than what E1 was worth and stuff. So, uh, there's Big a tweet. It's, it's just a thing of a big company buying little companies and wrecking those little companies or right. micromanaging those little companies so they can't strive. And, th- and this is the other thing. Um, we were all too young when this happened, but Wizards of the Coast was a private company before Hasbro came in and swooped them up. In 1999, uh, in 1999, Hasbro comes and buys Wizards of the Coast, which at the time was more known for making Pokemon at the time. Because uh, if we all remember, Pokemon was getting printed by Wizards of the Coast. And that makes a lot of those first edition box sets like super expensive, like if they're Watsy printings and stuff. But... In uh, 1999, they bought them and expected them to be like this huge growth with Pokemon and D&D and stuff. So it's not like it's out of the ordinary to have like WotC go back to being itself. Before it was private. It wasn't a public shared company, but maybe now making it public is is what's going to happen. But at the same time, I'm definitely skeptical of how good a risk assessment firm will do at you know making making magic good because if they're looking at what secret lair is doing and be like oh dude that's a cash cow that we can totally get on and you know definitely show shareholders uh profits you know give more dividends to shareholders that way more people give us money so that way we could start doing all this stuff but not addressing foiling curling foils or uh, arena issues and stuff like that i feel there's a very a uh, very good recap of this in a tweet by Cedric Phillips. And uh, to save on time, I will link it below. But he goes over the fact, like, kind of just like, you know, like a TLDR, more of a better understanding of what is all going on here without putting his opinions into it of uh, the Ulta Fox uh, request and stuff here. So I'll link that below. I highly recommend. If you don't want to read the full article, check out the Cedric Phillips tweet. It's kind of just like, Puts everything in a nice bow. Any any other comments on on that? Nothing. Perfect then. All right. So uh, so am you. So now that we're done with uh legitimate business things that can uh legitimate har- potentially harm Wizards of the Coast, it's time for some slapstick comedy. <laughs> You're not wrong. From an article on Vice.com, and I'm going to attempt to read this verbatim because uh, they have a much more charitable uh, description of the runners of a account and movement called MTG DAO than I would give them. From the following, a group of opportunistic fans want to mint Magic Gathering cards into NFTs, creating a new format in the process, codifying the scarcity of certain cards on the blockchain and cementing the idea that seemingly no one in the crypto space has ever heard of the idea of copyright or trademarks. Magic's publisher, Wizard was to the Coast, uh, understandably is not happy about this. Uh, we're not going to... I'm going to skip this paragraph telling people about Magic Gathering. MTG DAO, a group of crypto people online... Crypto people wants to lean into the financialization of magic by building a layer of NFTs on top of the original card game. MTG DAO created accounts on Twitter, Telegram, Reddit, November of 2021. In December, it unleashed a white paper explaining the plan. Quote, magic, the gathering and crypto are a match made in heaven. Unquote. 
the white paper said magic is a great game the problem is it's too damn fungible new cards always come out there's no guarantee of how scarce they are or in or will end up being but mtg dow thinks that entities change all of that quote wizards is creative value for me personally and thousands of other players get to play the game we love but i think crypto and the world DAOs can take this game to the quote next fucking level unquote white paper i need to stop saying quote unquote <clears throat> we can build a protocol legally layered over the top of the existing game that can spawn a cambrian explosion of creativity in the meta i want to bring the concept of sound money to the magic economy so players can trust the scarcity of their investments According to MTG Dow, Wizards devalues the secondary market by printing and reprinting cards. This devalues investments in powerful cards and reduces their value over time. But minting all these into NFTs and limiting the number available on the market will solve this problem, the project claims. The creation of these magic MFTs using a minted MTG tokens that will also form the backbone of governance for the uh, digital autonomous organization, that is what Dow stands for. Or is it decentralized? Shoot. Uh, We're moving on. We'll also create a new format of world where people have to have both the NFT and the physical card to play a game, which MTG Dow claims will do away with the necessity to always follow the meta of new cards released by Wizards. You play the game in the system, the white paper states that you just have to own the card as well as its associated NFT. Crucially, MTG Dow thinks it can do this without Wizards' consent or participation. <laughs> we are not creating NFTs licensed by, by Wizards of the Coast, only adding an additional layer of scarcity to play Wizards' cards in a new format, MTG Dow said. In the long run, I think there's a chance we can just buy the Magic brand out from Wizards of the, from Wizards of the Coast. MTG Dow could be the next evolution of what this game and community and how it is operated and controlled. And there are many problems with this. MTG Dow acknowledged that there is a problem with the wealthy having advantage in their white paper. And sure seems like only rich people can play this game. Yes, but no, MTG Dow said. On top of the latter, there will theoretically be populated by the same deck as is winning outside the format. These ca Those cards would be popular and require lots of tokens to print them. Print them? To mint them. The other problem is, is taking a company's intellectual property and turning it into NFTs without their consent. That's something that appears that Wizards of the Coast has taken an issue with. On February 10th, MTG Dow pinned a tweet on its Twitter timeline of screenshots where it claimed it claimed were from a lawyer representing Wizards of the Coast. You are oper you appear to be operating under the mistaken assumption that the project would be legal because you allow the reproduction of magic cards in the form of NFTs. Only by a player who purchased a physical card, a card on Arena, a card on Magic Gathering Online, the letter said. This is not correct on behalf of Wizards of the Coast. We are therefore ask that you refrain from implementing your idea for MTG DAO community that relies on unlawful re reproduction of, of use of Wizards IP. MTG DAO threaded the post and said it thinks what, what Wizards of the Coast is being short-sighted and continued to push the project forward. Our vision for MTG Dial is similar to a local game store, they tweeted. Here we would host tournaments, fund writers, sponsors, player. A DAO is the primary community-building tool of Web3 to forbid a magic DAO is to forbid any 
authentic presence in Web3, NGMI. This isn't the end for MTG Dow. I think the Web3 community has a lot to bring to the game of Wizards can be open-minded enough about us, MTG Dow said. Wish us luck. MTG Dow also pointed out that the lawyers hinted at Wizards of the Coast currently evaluating its own NFT projects, a grim portent of the future. While Wizards is currently evaluating its future plans regarding NFTs, Magic Gathering cards, no decision is made at this time. Which, which of course, can mean literally anything. So, now the actual situation has gotten out of the way, let's discuss how stupid and bad this idea is. That was a fucking trip. So, in their white paper, they detail out, uh, for instance, uh, how much of this theoretical currency you would need for minting these cards. And their formula for scaling it, because each time you mint a card, like, let's say we're going to mint a lightning bolt. You then uh, feed uh, it into the following formula, which is Y equals 2 to the power of NX. Y, of course, being the resultant amount of how much MTG you need to put in. N being the number of previous copies of cards, and X being a nebulous modifier that the community can... Uh, assigned to a card to either raise or lower its price because we just needed this price to be more fungible. So let's say Matt has minted a lightning bolt on this system, and then I want to mint it on it uh, because there is uh Actually, this table they have here is inaccurate as well. What? <laughs> they fucking two to the power two to the power of two is not no no it's two to the power of one. Okay okay okay. Let's say. Another person does it. Then it's at three. Then it is, uh... Yeah, but this scaling gets out of hand very quickly. Especially for a card game that is played around the world. Because when you set to N equals 100, assuming every single one of these MTG tokens is worth exactly one penny, would require more money than exists in the world. I feel like a good inept uh, analogy to this would be, like, you know, the whole, uh... MLM kind of thing where it's like, oh, if you tell five friends and they get on and they tell five friends and they get on, like after what is it, like twenty iterations of it, there it's it's more people in than there are in the world or something like that. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's a, a, a good a good example <laughs> of what the math is that yeah, they're showing here. It's also, it's basically the the analogy of uh, using a checkboard and doubling the number every single space. The last space you're you've was a 64 spaces you've doubled now so it's start with one you double it 64 times it's a lot yeah exponential i think that's the word that we're looking for here exponential yes <laughs> it raises ex- it, it literally is exponential it's using exponents yeah <laughs> but my favorite part also is you asked me earlier matt what blockchain they were using the answer is i skimmed through the white paper they don't know they don't know what blockchain they're going to even want to put this on. That's fucking hilarious, then. In their FAQ, they list a thing of which whether or not they're going to use Layer 1 or Layer 2 Ethereum, and they don't know. Well, at least they got, like, Ethereum and stuff as an idea, but still not knowing. I feel like that, it's like one of those things that's like, hey, we have this idea. Like, you take it to you take it to um, Shark Tank. You take an idea to Shark yes. Tank. And they've just come like, up. Like, I'd love like, to be on the panel of Shark Tank and just like, <laughs> so what's the difference? What's the point of this? Oh, we're going to buy wizards. What? 
that was is that the point it's like oh yeah no we're totally gonna buy wizards because exponential and then and then you got fucking uh mark cuban be like continue what do you mean exponential what And he's like oh no just exponential wizards money it's ours lightning bolt (laughs) it's a fucking trip but also one of the things that also kills me from this faq is the question what's fun here the answer (laughs) i can't wait to play this game it's not an answer i think it'll be fun to be able to ape into a tasty card without worrying that you won't be able to cash out of your investment the same you put into it Scarcity will blah, 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 blah. It'll be fun to explore synergies that have never been tried before and possibly be the first to show how powerful a new deck idea will be. So the the uh, M- M- MTG DAO's Twitter is kind of fucking funny. Their, their last tweet that they made states, I don't know shit about crypt- copyright law, so I'm trying not to discuss it much, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you that uh, MTG DAO NFTs being IP infringement is not intuitive to me. <laughs> I feel like a tweet starting like that after getting a cease and desist letter from the people that you're trying to like uh, fucking take, <laughs> use use their intellectual property to make your own money from. It's like mm, not looking too good for you there, bud. I know. Uh, I know. Before the 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 podcast, we were. Uh, I was likening this to the the hit piece stuff that we were talking about. I can't remember if it made it onto the podcast or if we were talking about it after. But hit piece was this uh, online site that minted a bunch of a bunch of artists' music, albums, and art. Minted it and started selling it without their permission. Like it was a lot. It reached far and wide. It made headlines for like a good solid week and stuff. Uh, and they also got a cease and desist letter from like everybody that they were affecting and shit. And it's like this is just like a super smaller scale compared to what Hit Piece was doing. And <laughs> shit, it's like, huh? Yeah, this... like as far as we can tell, this hasn't even approached the implementation stage of the pitch. So at the very least, they uh, haven't, you know, just done the thing where they go ahead and put it on the blockchain. And it's like, oh, what are you going to do to me now? It's already on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah, and. uh I haven't kept up with hit piece recently. I'll have to look at that later and then get back to you on that. But can't imagine it turned out well for them. And this is a situation where MTG Dow definitely not going to look well for them either. Like, I can't believe there's uh, someone in this world who looked at the reserve list and went, dang, why didn't it go further? <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, there, what there... if I had cards from the reserve list? Which incidentally is endemic of how is endemic of how this whole cryptocurrency thing started with the you know housing crash back in 2008 7 yeah 8 and most of the thoughts of the people making cryptocurrency at the time was basically what if i was on top of that pile so it's very silly and like if you want more about like just NFTs in general, a uh, video that probably has entered your recommended feeds is a uh, video line goes up a history of NFTs by foldable human, which goes very in depth. It's two hours, but I assure you it is all worth it. And you can see how top to bottom, this entire thing is screwed. <laughs> well, send me that link. I'll make sure it gets put in the show notes. Cause I am yeah. definitely interested in watching a video about that or listening to it while I'm working. So I know, I know one of the biggest things that uh, a lot of people talk about when it comes to like magic and NFTs, I think we brought it up in the podcast before. It's like, isn't 
Magic Online already an NFT? I know Danny uh Danny has talked about this prior on some episodes about about that, right? I'll shoot it to you and um, I have no idea what you just said. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's ma- like Magic Online being an NFT as well, non-fungible tokens like Yeah, it is. But here's the thing. That's authored by a centralized source, and that's bad because we have to trust that centralized source. True, but it's but still, Magic Online is NFTs. So is Arena. Basically, any virtual game you play online that has cards, digital collectibles, so, except yeah. so basically Hearthstone, any of those card games online, they're technically nfts because you have a digital copy of that card in your collection on the game like magic online you could buy and sell trade those cards and they're all like numbered of like that specific like, card so you can like danny and i could each have a yep. red and six but mine is like zero zero two and his is zero zero one and stuff like completely different yep. like if you look exactly. on the serial numbers of dollars never the same if they're the same, you got a problem. You don't want to talk to the, the Federal Reserve about that. Actually, they'll probably come find and talk to you. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I think well, that's... Well, speaking of the reserves, we should uh, move along to the money talk. Yeah, continue this money talk. It's jumping over to the conjured currency section where we read an amazing article from mtgstocks.com that is called The Weekly Winners. They talk about three to five cars that are moving up in price and three to five cars that are moving down in price that they want to bring to everybody's attention. First up, on The Weekly Winners, we have Whip Silk. For a single green, you get an enchantment aura that enchants a creature, and the enchanted creature has reach, and it has a single green return Whip Silk to its owner's hand. This card was printed back in Invasion? Invasion. It's printed back in Invasion and has only been printed in Invasion. Has jumped up as of Friday 117%, now around $3. But today, when we record on Monday night, the market value of the card has jumped up to $4.33. The average price is around $3.20. A quick reminder average price is what. Uh, people are trying to sell them for online market price is what they're actually getting sold for and this does have a foil and the foil is currently almost $40 $40 foil Jesus. yeah so enchantment uh single mana enchantments coming out moving up in price around the time of kamigawa so the real question is why do we think that is well clearly because of all the enchantment shenanigans that we got going on in fucking Kamigawa. So it was showing up before in a couple uh legend uh oof, how, Ant Ant Hausa Seteshant Hero decks and Sithis Harvest Hams hands deck. But also it's showing up as a very popular card in Tetsunari Toad Rider decks, which is the black two three three legendary creature human ninja. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, if you didn't control a creature named Kemi Create Kemi, a legendary 3-3 black and green frog creature token with whenever you cast an enchantment spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. It also has an activated ability of one hybrid Simic, and it it and the target frog you control 
can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with flying or reach. So Tetsunari uh, with with Whip Silk here, it's like you pay the green, return it to your hand, and if you have Kemi out, you just keep casting it and draining your opponents and gaining life. Very solid synergies. It kind of falls under the same thing of like flickering ward that moved up in price uh, previous week due to um, light pause. Light pause. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. That's a card that's getting buzz around, certainly. Yeah. And with those uh, Sithis Harvest hands, like uh, people are still running Sithis, but they also have light pause in there with flickering ward and whip silk as well. Just the fact that you could just like single mana bounce it back to your hand and uh, cast them again and get the effects from like Sithis or the Kemi token or from Light Paws and stuff like that. So that's oh, yeah. moving up. Like I do something, I do something similar with that with like Conviction. It's, it's real good. It's just effective. You just keep getting things. Uh, next up in the weekly winners, we have Hero of Bladehold, White Whites two for a three four human knight that has Battle Cry. So Battlecry is an ability whenever this creature attacks, each other attacking creature gets plus one, plus oh, till end of turn. And then whenever Hero of Bladehold attacks, put two 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. This card was printed in Mirrodin Besieged and then printed again as a pre-release card. So it has different art, which looks pretty badass. It's moving up in price, jumped up 39%, chilling around $13.17 as of Friday. As of today, the market price is around $11.53, average price of $16.25, so sellers are still trying to like push it up a little higher. Foil prices of Hero of Bladehold going for around $28. Ooh, I will mention, the European average is around €4 Euros for this card. So this card is moving up because there's been a lot of popularity and a lot of talk about Ishin, two heavens as one, the Mardu commander from Kamigawa. Uh, so for Mardu, you get a legendary creature, human samurai, 3-4, that reads, if a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of an opponent of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So Hero of Bladehold now reads four mana, 3-4, when it attacks, create four 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. So that's really good, but it also was recently shown in a Command Zone episode where they're discussing the card and was mentioned as well. Um, I actually haven't watched the Big G. Was there, in the recent game nights, was there Ishin of Two Heavens as one played in there? Yep, that was one of the, I think uh, Lady Danger played that one, and she did have the uh, Ferret Charge, or... Oh, fervent charge. Yeah, yeah. I want. She had the charge card in there. I want to. And that's been going up. That has been going up. But uh, here to blade hold been moving up because of that. Uh, quick look here. Uh, as I mentioned before, it had a pre-release card that has different art on it. That different art, which has a stamp for the pre-release, is a foil, and it has a market price of thirteen seventy-eight. So not that much. Uh, it's around the same price, and the art is pretty sick, so you have another variant there to get with that. Next up in the weekly winners, we have Tower of the Magistrates. This is a card that I showed on the Contra Currency section in the Discord, so if you haven't joined the Discord, go check it out. We talk there a lot and show magic cards and price trends and stuff that get noticed. But uh, 
Tower of the Magistrate is a land that taps to add colorless, and you pay one tap. Target creature gains protection from artifacts till end of the turn. This card, as of Friday, has jumped up 36%, uh, chilling around $12.21. But as of today, the market price is around $6.87, average price of around $14. Foil price of this for $179.99. This is the only printing of it that came out in Mercadian Masks. Oh, quick note, European average, two seventy-five. dollars Let's get some of that European arbitrage going on here. So Tower of the Magistrate is a very, very potent land. One of the cool things, when I, a quick story about Tower of the Magistrate. When I first learned about this land, I got, I got kicked in the nuts by this thing because I was trying to equip some creatures with uh, Swiftfoot Boots. And uh, the opponent tapped Tower of Magistrate to give my creature protection from artifacts. I can no longer equip my creature at all with these lightning greaves to go in and swing and win the game lost that so this is moving up in price due to uh some potentially legacy play uh, also because we got a lot of reconfigure stuff going on in kamigawa uh the ability to just stop a reconfigured ability from going onto a creature very potent uh reality chip good example of that not modern not in modern but like commander you just like Stop your opponent from putting a rea reality chip on a creature, and they can't be casting spells off the top of your library. But there's a Death and Taxes deck in Legacy, a Yorion deck, that has been kind of been popping up uh, and doing well, and that is potentially seen as one of the reasons why Tower of the Magistrate is moving up in price. But it's a really cool card. It's EDH playable. And then Helm of the Host. Like in EDH, players play a lot of Helm of the Host, and this is just like, Nah, you can't uh, Helm of the Host that Nekusar. But after that, we got some cheap pickups here. I'll toss it out to one of you guys. Who wants to read these? I know I always pick on Danny for reading the cheap pickups, but we're going to get Big G or Mew to jump in on this. Normally me reading the cheap pickups, yo. Here, I'll take the first one. There we go. <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> the green card that should be unbanned in EDH. We have Primeval Titan. Hot take, hot take. Uh, it's currently sitting at 626, trending down. For those who don't know, Primeval Titan's green, green, four. He's a giant. He has trample. Whenever Primeval Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, you may search the library for up to two land cards and put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shelf your library. And yes, I said any land, not just basics, any well, I'll take the second one because I happen to actually be sitting at looking at the physical card right now. Ooh. It is Chief Chief Jim Hopper. Uh, this is one of those secret layers, Stranger Things cards. So two colorless, a red, and a white. Legendary creature, human soldier. He's a 4-4 with menace. Whenever Chief Jim Hopper attacks, investigate once for each non-token attacking creature. And it also has the Friends Forever mechanic, which you can have two commanders if they both have Friends Forever. And it is at $8.49, and it is trending down from its all-time high of $20 prior to anyone getting the cards. So, there we go. And last but not least, we have Wandering Archaic. Archaic. Archaic, there we go. Uh, $6 and Stabling. It is a 5-drop avatar. It's a 4-4. When an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, 
they may pay two. If they don't, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. I'm really surprised that that one's going down with all the new double abilities or doubling of abilities. But uh, whatever, I guess. Well, well, yeah. I mean, this. Well, first off, this is already like a uh, commander staple kind of card where it's like. This is on the battlefield. You cast your things, and I can get them if you don't pay that mana and stuff. It's just kind of like putting an extra tax onto it. Our cultivate. Yeah, it's, it's not like I just get it. I just get a copy of it. So we both get it, unless you pay two. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the backside is kind of like more irrelevant. Like It's a good effect on the back, but you're mainly playing it for I've the cast backside exactly once because I wanted to see what happened. <laughs> Yeah, because I was losing. You're always just going for the front half here on this thing. Uh, noted as well, the extended art is around $9.50. Uh, just kind of like staying at a very stable price throughout the whole time. It's not moving down or anything. So, But there you have it. That is the conjured currency section. Um, I know last week we talked about like maybe if I'd mentioned some cards and stuff. And there's actually something I did want to mention here with Ishin. Two Heavens is one. So this Mardu Commander is kind of actually bonkers, and some cards have not been getting talked about that I think could actually get talked about. And I'm going to pick one. And the one I am going to pick, let me get the type up right now, is Sublime Archangel. Okay, so remember, Ishin reads, if a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger... That ability triggers an additional time. Sublime Archangel is white-white 2 for a 4-3 angel that reads flying exalted. So whenever a creature you control attacks alone, that creature gets plus 1, plus 1 till end of turn. And then it reads other creatures you control have exalted. So if you have a board of creatures out and you have one and uh, you have Ishan out and just one creature attacks, you're now doing double exalted triggers on all of your creatures. And the fact that there's not like more talk about potentially exalted and stuff being a thing with Ishan, like you have fervent charge, which is plus two, plus two now getting put up to plus four, plus four. That's Mardu to cast. This is a creature that can get tutored, that can get reanimated and stuff. It's a, it's white, way easier to cast than a Furfin Charge. Same mana cost, like value. You're paying four mana, but you get a thing that can also smack face with it. Less of an effect. Uh, I don't know. I think this could be better. This card is around $2 for the Ultimate Masters printing and two seventeen for its original printing in M13. I think this pairs very well in Ishin decks right now and it's not being seen uh, it hasn't been talked about because uh, in Ishin you want a lot of creatures already out like attacking and stuff so it's like it's it's already stabilized it's not stabilized it's uh, it's marked itself as wanting to be a creature heavy deck and Sublime Archangel is just kind of like really putting that the, the eggs in the basket of your creatures and stuff I'm just saying that it can get a lot bigger than what Fervent Charge can do so Sublime Archangel with Ishin, calling it now uh, Match Made in Heaven. Get it? You get it? It's two heavens as one, and Archangel is an, an angel. Okay, I'll see myself out. We're, we're, we'll close the counter currency yeah. section. God damn it. Please do. <laughs> okay. So, if you guys are interested in picking up wait, any of these. Wait. There we go. Yeah. Never mind. You got to it before <laughs> I could, before I get a clever segue. 
Damn it. No clever segue this time, guys. But if you're looking to pick up some of these cards, like Sublime Archangel, if you want to be notified when that's actually starting to move up in price because people are listening to me when I say dumb things like Sublime Archangel is going to be going in this Ishin deck. Because Ishin, if I'm not mistaken, little side tangent here, I think it's the most built commander on EH Rec right now. Well, and they're saying it's a good first-time commander deck for people, too, which is weird because it's that double trigger for attack triggers, but I can also see where it's just you swing, you attack, it does a thing. There you go. Right, and that's just kind of like the default for a lot of stuff, and this is like a good a good introduction for like Magic players to like get dealt with multiple colors and like just straight up like, hey, you're putting creatures on the board and you're swinging. But yes, can confirm... Uh, top 10 commanders. Ishin is the number one commander of this week over on EDH. Well, Matt, what if I'm looking for cards for my new Ishin commander deck that I'm going to build? Yeah. So and I want to get pickups. You want to get them at cheap pickups? Go check out our friends over at TCGSniper.com. What they are is they are a uh, price tracking website that notifies you of cards that you set at a certain price. Uh, when they meet that certain price, when people are selling them at that price on TCG Player. So if you want to be picking up a, a fervent charger in this case, like it's spiked up in price, you're expecting it to drop down in price, uh, you enter that in on TCG Sniper and you'll get notified when it goes from like 10 bucks to $2. But the same is true for the opposite. Like I was saying with Sublime Archangel, you pick them up at two, you pick up a bunch of $2 and when people actually start buying them and start wanting them more, they're going to move up and you get notified when they're at $10 and that way you can know when to sell and offload. It's a really great service. Not only do they do it for singles, but they also do it for sealed product. It's really cool. If you go over there and make an account and say that the guys over at This Week at MTG sent you, you'll get three months free of their plus membership. Now, Danny. I don't think this is going on podcast because, like I said, I skimmed over the story and some of it may be inaccurate. So I don't want to say it on podcast. Perfect. We'll just send it to the patrons. So thanks to all you legendary magic folk for making it to the end of episode 126 of This Week at MTG. We want to give a big thank you to all of our patrons. And you guys are crazy for thinking that this content is worth supporting in any way. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. Uh, We got stuff coming up. Uh, One thing I'm excited for, we'll probably talk about later. And uh, Big G and Danny stick around after this i got i got some news um uh, but listeners you also stick around but you can't stick around until after the podcast but stick around by keep listening to future episodes of the podcast but we'd also like to give a big thank you to our sponsor jadeup sports cards and gaming for sponsoring us and if you're looking for anything magic related go check them out for that now if any of you guys have anything else you want to say here speak now or forever hold your peace have a good evening and with that magic folk we'll catch you next time Congratulations, you made it to the end of this week's episode of This Week in MTG. Your listenership means so much to us. Make sure to follow the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or on the podcatcher of your choice. You can watch the live stream recording of the podcast every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time over on YouTube and twitch.com slash thisweekinmtg. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us a message to our Facebook, Twitter, or send us an email at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. For all these links and more, check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash thisweekinmtg. Thanks so much!
Hey everyone, it's me Ryu from Streets. My favorite things include jumping into late fierce, stale bread, water without any ice, the latest season of The Simpsons, and dirt. See you all in Street Fighter Five. <laughs>